This is the Course of Action Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Clark. My debut book, Hear These Truths, The Ultimate Guide to Building Your Leadership Algorithm, is available now wherever books are sold. Check it out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and for signed copies, go to jeffclarkofficial.com and get in touch. Don't forget to follow on social media, leave a five-star review for the book, and hit that subscribe button for the latest episode notifications. And as always, enjoy the episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Course of Action Podcast. My guest today is none other than the drive-on podcast host and the author of Surviving Son, Scott Deluzio. What's going on, Scott? Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on your show and uh, sort of flip things. I had you on, on my show a little while ago and yeah, yeah. Uh, now now uh, getting on your show and, and flip things around a little bit. So I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Very awesome. And I've been following Drive On Podcast for a while now, and it's cool to uh, kind of flip the tables on people. Um, I recently did an episode with Eric Bishop, another author, where he came on here and flipped it on me and asked me questions. So cool. it's kind of cool to shake things up a little bit and do things differently. Um, so Army veteran, you were in the infantry. How long were you in the Army? Uh, about six years. Yeah. So okay. I, I joined in about in uh 2005 and, and got out in 2011. So, okay. What'd you do after you got out? So I got out and, uh, really had at first it had some trouble trying to figure out who I was going to be after leaving the military. Cause you, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was national guard. So the, uh, I did have a civilian job while I was in the military, okay. uh, which made that transition a little bit easier. However, as I got back from my deployment to Afghanistan, I found it more and more difficult for me to uh, just do the job that I was doing before. It just seemed like it was meaningless. And I was struggling to get up in the morning to even go to work because it was like this job is a drag. I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel like I related with my coworkers anymore. And and so it to me, it took a while to uh, try to figure out where I fit into this world after after getting out of the the military. So uh, eventually, what what I ended up doing is starting uh, a couple of businesses. Um, I uh, dabbled in a few different things here and there, but I, ultimately, I landed in uh, software development, which is what I do now. And we we make software for e commerce sites and, and things like that. So that's that's really what I ended up falling into. Um, not what I went to school for at all. I have a, an accounting degree from, from college. And <laughs> okay. so it has absolutely nothing to do with what I, I did. But uh, I, I ended up teaching myself all of the software development stuff that I need to know. And uh, I enjoy what I do. It's it's pretty fun. And, um, you know, I, I, I really am glad that I, I found myself in this position. So, you know, a military transition is a big deal. We talked about it on um, Drive On Podcast, and I know you talk about it a lot with a lot of people because it's a big topic. Um, yeah. Probably you can't talk about it enough um, in, the, in the struggles and the battles and just different things. But um, what, what, what was kind of like, because I know you got out. What came first, the book or the podcast? So it's kind of tricky. Um, it, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg kind of thing, because when I first got out uh, or got back from Afghanistan, I should say, uh, I started just jotting down notes of things that happened, places I went to, thoughts that I had at the time and stuff, because I knew that our minds play tricks on us. As we get older, we start right. to 
either forget things or just not remember them the way they actually happened. Mm -hmm. And I knew as I got older, my kids would start to have questions about, you know, what happened when you were in the war and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't want to forget things. So I just started writing things down, not with any intention of writing a book. It was really just writing down notes. So that when I became an old fart, like I am now, I I would have uh, a better, (laughs) better uh, source of information to fall back on. Um, And then fast forward a few years, uh, this is now about three years ago, I started my podcast uh, and I, around the same time, I decided that the notes that were just collecting dust uh, were more of a story than I initially gave it credit for being. And so I started to take those notes and putting, put them into a book format. Um, I worked with various people uh, throughout the, the whole process to, to help me get it to uh, where it is today. Um, and yeah, it, it really, it really was a, um, you know, right around that same time that I started the podcast that I, I had this idea for getting the book started. Um, the, the podcast really was born out of um, the fact that I knew several people who I served with who came home from overseas and took their own lives. And mm. to me, that was just just a, such a hard thing to understand and wrap my head around. Like we had just gotten out of this place uh, in Afghanistan where people literally wanted to kill us and we all made it out alive. Mm-hmm. And then we came home where people want nothing but the best for us. And now we're starting to lose guys. That just didn't make any sense to me. And yeah. uh, I was dealing with my own mental health struggles as well. I wasn't you know, as bad off as some of those guys were, but um, I, I realized that it was a widespread problem throughout the military. And so that's where the podcast got started was I wanted to get more information out there to people, uh, sharing stories like other inspirational stories that other veterans might have to share, uh, but also sharing resources of other things that people could do to get the, um, get the help that they need. And, you know, we all know about the VA and, and Mm -hmm. uh, all the services that they have to offer, Uh, not knocking the VA at all. They do a lot of great things. Uh, However, they don't do everything. And there are certain things that maybe the VA doesn't offer that would work well with certain people. And so I try to expose all of the different uh, nonprofits and other organizations that are doing great things for veterans and Mm -hmm. get that information out there to, to help as many people as possible. Um, The goal was to start, I was starting off with, let's just help one person. If I can help one person, then, uh, you know, I'm hitting my goal. But, but now it's like, you know, let's help as many people as possible. And, right. uh, and, and that's partially what, where the book came from too, is uh, I, the struggles that I went through uh, the, the stuff that I experienced it throughout my time in the military, my deployment and the time coming, coming back home. Uh, I dealt with things in a pretty unhealthy way. I, I was really a jerk to uh, my family, to the people around me and everything. I, I, I was, angry all the time. I was just not taking care of myself and everything. And, uh, there's way better ways to deal with things than what I did. And so it's yeah. like, kind of like learn from my mistakes. I, I, I did this. I screwed up. You shouldn't have to do that too. Mm-hmm. Like take a look at what I did and what I eventually did to eventually get back on track or, or at least closer to on track to, you know, where I was before. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think I'll ever 100% be the same person that I was before, but, uh, I, I can work, I'm getting closer to that, um, you know, over time. So, 
Yeah. So um, now Surviving Son is a very personal book. It's very, very personal. You lost your brother. Uh, unfortunately, um, that's a big topic of the book and kind of how you coped with it. You said yourself, you, you know, a lot of unhealthy ways that you came home. And and I think it's important, you know, like you said, to, you know, the VA doesn't do everything. And they are a government-ran institution, and we know the inefficiencies of government. Um, I've had some good experiences with the VA, and I've had some friends that have had some horrible experiences with the exact same office, you know. Right. It is what it is, but there's a lot of things that we can do as veterans to, you know, put things out there. There are other ways of doing things. You know, I know a bunch of guys who take veterans hunting all the time, take them camping, get them outdoors, get them, you know, out around the fire and talking and, and just talking. I mean, cause that's the biggest thing, but everybody's got to feel comfortable where they're at and kind of in their own skin to start talking and peel back the layers of the onion. And the next thing, you know, you don't realize how much, you know, talking helped, you know, and that's part of it, you know, um, I think a lot of people are afraid of mental health because they're afraid that they're going to expose themselves too much or they're afraid they're just going to get some pills thrown at them to calm them down. And uh, we don't realize how much talking is so important to the cause. And in your case, you, you know, you wrote a book about it. You did a podcast and um, definitely want to talk about, you know, when did you decide to write the book? Yeah. So it, it was right around that time that I, I started the podcast. That I decided to write it as, as a book. Um, and really it was my way of not only giving back to the other people who are out there who might be struggling and, and trying to help them, but it was also my way of uh, uh, trying to let my brother's legacy continue on. You know, you mentioned I, I lost him. He was killed in Afghanistan. We were both in Afghanistan at the same time. Uh, he was killed in action uh, tragically. And uh I realized that, you know, he's not around to tell his story anymore. And I had this ability now to write the story and let his story continue on well past his life and, and my life, even, you know, mm-hmm. this is a book now that will, will live on for years and years and years and oh, yeah. hopefully outlive, live all of us, you know? Um, but the, the, day that I had had the idea, the light bulb moment that, that came on that, that was like, you know, this needs to be a, a bigger story was, uh, so my family and I were invited to the White House by President Trump. Um, there was a uh, Gold Star family uh, reception that they had where it was a, a ceremony, like a memorial type thing where uh, they, they honored uh, 50 families who are Gold Star families who had lost a loved one in the military. And uh, apparently president Trump had done this every year, uh, while he was in office. Um, and I think the last year he was in office, I think that was, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, uh, controversy over that because, uh, there was something with the gold star families and COVID or, or something like that. I don't know the exact details, but, mm-hmm. uh, we were, we were before all of that. So, um, but while my parents and I were in Washington, uh, we're, we're sitting down, uh, to, uh, just have a drink after we went to the White House. And I I was like, I had this light bulb moment where I was like, you know, this, this is bigger. You know, if, if this is something that uh, like getting invited to the White House is not an everyday occurrence for, for most normal oh, yeah. average people. Right. <laughs> right. And, and so to me, I was like, okay, so this is bigger than what I've made it out to be in my own head. Like this is a pretty big deal. And so maybe this needs to be a story that gets told uh, through, 
through writing and, and write a book. And, and so that's, that's really where that, that moment was where, where I decided, you know, this, this should be a book. So what was the process of putting it together? Like having to relive a lot of those moments and how did you cope with kind of the, uh, kind of some of the old emotions and some of the old habits, you know, did anything sneak back? Like what was the process? How did you kind of deal with putting it together? Cause that's a, you know, I interviewed Michelle Blackwell back about, you know, you know, uh, she's a gold star, you know, spouse and ODA 3212. And I was like, what was it like writing that and telling that story and reliving it, you know, yeah. and her answer was really, really cool. And um, I'm interested to hear yours. Like, what was that like? Yeah. I, I had her on my, my podcast too, a little while back and, and, great person her, her yeah. book is, is incredible awesome. and um you know the the story surrounding her husband's death and everything is is pretty incredible as well mm -hmm. so um but but for me the the process was first first off i dusted off the notes that i had took out and uh and and had written all those years ago and i reread through everything that i, I had put down and i started piecing together, okay, how do I want this to flow? Do I want to uh, start off, you know, and I went through several revisions on this, this book. I, I it never, uh, it, it's nothing like uh, what it started off as. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like <laughs> what, what sequence of events do I want to start with? Do I want to, do I want to start at, at the end or do I want to start at the, you know, way back in the beginning? How do I want to uh, formulate this, this book and where's the storyline uh, going and everything. So, um, so I, I took some time to think about what the best flow of the book would be and, um, you know, and reading through everything. Yeah. It definitely brought up some emotions. Um, I, I had, uh, some things that I just sort of tucked back in the back of my memory that I, I tried to just not think about too much. And when I was reading through my notes, I, I started saying to myself, Oh yeah, that's, that's right. This did happen. That, that is what was going on. And I had completely forgotten about it. Uh, not, not that I forgot totally about it, but it was just, I, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. It was just mm -hmm. one of those things that I, I didn't want to think about anymore. And so I, I just tucked it in the back of my mind, uh, you know, shoved that down and, and didn't really give it too much attention. Mm -hmm. Um, but then one part of the book that I, I do write about is I, I go into uh, detail about the mission that my brother was on and how, uh, how that, that day took place when he was killed. And I compiled all of that information from uh, these incident reports, uh, these sworn, sworn statements that the guys who were uh, on the ground during that mission that they had written up. And I think there was about 20 or 25 different uh, individual accounts of what had taken place that day. Wow. And so I, for the first time, uh, this was probably around this time last year, uh, I I sat down and I actually read all of those incident reports and went through exactly what happened. And it, what was really interesting to me, uh, first off, it was, it was difficult for me to read because it's yeah. like, I'm reliving, reliving this, it all again. Yeah. Terrible moment, uh, mm -hmm. which I wasn't technically there at, at that time when, when he was killed, but I was reliving like what had happened over and over and over yeah, that, that times. day, that moment yeah. where you found out and it all comes yeah. rushing to you. It did. Yeah. So, uh, so that was difficult in and of itself, but the interesting thing to me was, uh, how everyone who was there, they all witnessed the same exact events. Everyone was there on at the same time. They, they all were part of the same mission, but 
how varied the perspectives were. Some of the timelines seemed just slightly off and, uh, you know, some of the uh, events that took place, it didn't exactly seem to, to line up, but everyone's perspective is just slightly different. Um, so I had to sort of interpret what I was reading through all of that and line everything out in, in sort of a timeline format and say, okay, this is what seems to make the most sense in terms of what had happened that day. And, um, and so it, it was, it was really interesting, but I do go, there's a section in the book there where I basically outline everything that took place during that firefight, during that, that last mission that he was on, uh, that, that talks about all of the stuff from those sworn statements. And so that was a difficult thing to experience because, um, you know, for, uh, at that point it had been about 11 years. I had not, uh, I had not read any of that, uh, mm. prior to writing this book. Um, and so I, I finally sat down and I started reading it. Uh, my mom luckily still had a copy of, of the, the sworn statements. And, and so she, she gave them to me and I, I sat down and started reading through them all. And, um, you know, of course they're, they're all, uh, somewhat redacted too. So that made it that much more difficult to read through things because, um, you know, the names are taken out and, and things like that are, are removed from it, from it all when, when we got it. Uh, so it was, it was slightly more difficult to put together than, than if I had the actual original copies, but, uh, right. but I, I think I managed to get a pretty accurate version of what had taken place. Uh, plus compiling it with some of the conversations I've had with some of the guys who were there yeah. filling some of the gaps filling in some of the, the, the blank pieces where, yeah. where things got redacted and, you know, who said what and who did what or whatever. So, um, but, but yeah, the, I mean, the whole process was, um, you know, it was difficult at times. Uh, you know, I, I saved the, the part where he was killed to kind of the end of the writing process. I think it was just procrastination. I didn't want to relive that. Sure. That oh, yeah. Part it's of it. a tough thing to live. It's a tough thing to think about and process, let alone put it into your own words. Right. Right. You know, because you're, you're your biggest critic already, you know, and sure. that's just how it is. And then you're putting a moment that is a pivotal time in your life, you know, <laughs> on paper and you're talking about it. And yeah. I can't imagine, man, I'm, I haven't been there, but I can't imagine the emotions that you went through. Right. Trying to live that moment and then document it essentially. Yeah. And, and that's really what it was. It was, it was documenting that, that moment in time. And yeah, you're right. It, it was, it was difficult to do, but at the same time, it was somewhat therapeutic too, because uh -huh. it was like, uh, you know, once when it's down on, on the page and it's, it's, or, you know, on the screen as I'm typing it or whatever, it, it became like, okay, this is, I can, I can put this to, to bed now. I don't have to go back and dig this, this situation up anymore. Um, you know, obviously we're talking about it now and it's fine. It's not like a, a big deal for me to talk about it like this. Um, but it was, it was almost, you know, when you go to a funeral, it's like, okay, this is, this is that final yeah. goodbye, final moment. It was almost like I got to have that final moment and I, I was able to just kind of put this to rest and I, I didn't have to dig this back up again. And I think for a lot of people, they need that. And it's not so much as closing the door on it and hiding it in a closet and saying, I'm never going to see this again, as much as it is that coming to grips moment of, you know, and I've lost some, you know, friends and, and I've even lost some troops to suicide, you know, and it was just kind of that moment where you have to just kind of say, 
okay, it happened. It happened. There's nothing I can do about it. You know, I can remember the good times and I can process this and move on. And, and obviously a lot of people do motivational stuff with it. And you talk about it now, which I think is awesome. And you wrote a whole entire book about it, uh, which has an amazing cover, by the way. I don't know who designed your cover, whose idea that was, but that is awesome. It is like spot on. Perfect. I was like, somebody brilliant did this. Well, I, I won't I won't say uh, brilliant, but uh, the the idea actually came from I, I was just googling some ideas for uh, the the book cover, and I came across a, an image of uh, another soldier who was standing in a very similar pose to that, holding the the flag. Uh, you can see the the cover of the book in the background uh, behind you and, and behind me, uh, but. Um, it was a very similar pose to that. And I was like, that is just such a powerful yeah, it uh, is. pose there. And so I had uh, a good uh, family friend of ours. Uh, she's a photographer. And uh, I, I asked, you know, is this something that you think you could recreate with me? And uh, I was actually holding the the flag that was on my brother's uh, coffin as well. So that was, uh, you know, even more uh, symbolic and meaningful mm-hmm. was that I was actually using that same flag. And, uh, the hardest part about that whole picture was squeezing back into my uniform. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if I had to do it today, I'd just go buy a bigger one because there's no, there's no way I'd be able to do it. (laughs) I I was afraid like, uh, you know, the button was going to snap and go, you know, shoot off and kill someone. Like, Hey, let's make sure we go from like chest, chest up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's, that's why you don't see the rest of me in that that picture. It's, you know, (laughs) it's a great photo it's a great cover it's very very powerful and it's just man when you sent it to me and i was like whoa whoa like i'd seen the cover before um, because i'd seen you on instagram and all that but when i got it in my hands and i was looking at it i was like that's a cover that is a home run type of cover and it's it's awesome man so um but what's it um we often talk about gold star spouses and gold star families um there's gold star brothers and sisters out there what has the reception been like? Um, I don't want to say you kind of self-labeled yourself the a gold star brother, but you know, you know, surviving son, that's a very bold statement. What has the reception been like? And you've gone to gold star events and kind of talking about that from your perspective of, you know, surviving son. Yeah. So for me, I, I feel like the, the siblings, the, the gold star brothers and sisters almost, aren't recognized as much as the the parents who certainly should be recognized and the, the spouses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I I would even say maybe even the children, the gold star, like children of of fallen service members uh, also probably fall into the same category as as siblings as well, uh, where they're not quite as well recognized uh, maybe as the spouses and the parents. Um, I don't know why that is, uh, but it, it's something that I've noticed over time where, yeah. um, you know, I've, I've spoken to other uh, Gold Star siblings and uh, it's almost like we're put on the back burner, uh, you know, almost as if we weren't really a part of the family or really like that close. But it's like, this is the kid I grew up with. Like we, we horsed around in the backyard together. We, we were friends. We, we were roommates after we both moved out of uh, my, my parents' house. And, uh, you know, like we, shared a lot of uh time and experiences and and things like that together so 
uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we were really close and we are just as much a part of this gold star mm-hmm. family as anyone else would be. Um, but that, that's sort of just, I don't know, maybe that's just my own perception of, of what no, I think you're taking place, you know, absolutely right. And I asked the question simply because, you know, I don't think we, we you hear about gold star families and gold star spouses. And every now and then I hear gold star children, you never hear anything about gold star brother or sister and they're, they're out there. I know they are. You're obviously right. proof of it. Um, but it's, you know, I think there's a dynamic there that we're kind of forgetting to talk about. And that's the simple fact of, you know, you're the surviving son. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like, you know, looking at your parents, you know, and being the one, you know, who survived, you know, what was that like? What was the dynamic with your parents like having to kind of cope with one less child in the house now and that you're here? You know, for, for me, when my brother was first killed, uh, my immediate thought was, okay, I need to help out my parents in any way I could. Of course, I was in Afghanistan, so I there was not a whole lot that yeah. I could do. I, I couldn't even call home when oh. I first found out about my brother because my parents hadn't been notified yet. And so there's right. uh, anyone who's been overseas, you know, there's communications blackout whenever something like this takes place. And uh, until the family is notified, there's there's no calling, there's no emails, there's no yeah. nothing like that. I, I was not allowed to call home. Um, it actually wasn't until... Uh, the next day, uh, when I was, I was actually in Kuwait that I was able to call home. Um, so that was a very lonely, uh, probably 18 or so hours. Oh, I, I had nobody God. really to, to talk to. Um, and that, that's when I finally was able to call home. But, um, but yeah, I, I felt like I didn't want my parents to have to worry about things that, uh, that no parent should really have to worry about. I didn't, you know, my brother had uh, life insurance and uh, like there was a, a state, his estate that had to go through like the probate court and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm like, no parent, I don't care who they are. No parent should ever have to worry about this kind of stuff. Agreed. Like what to do with his assets, like oh, yeah. the, the money in his bank account, the, the, uh, the title to his car, to all this stuff that he had, uh, what parent would ever want to be worried about that stuff, especially right after losing their, their child. So uh, I felt like I needed to do things for them like that. Um, And of course my parents also were doing things for me at the same time because uh, you know, I was only able to do so much, but um, they, they were helping me, you know, emotionally and and other things like that too. But um, they, I, I just felt like I needed to be the strong one. I needed to be there to do the things that they shouldn't have to do. And and that was my uh, sort of my purpose after getting home is I felt like I just needed to do all of those difficult things. Um, you know, I just gotten out of Afghanistan. I, I was in the, okay, this sucks, but we'll get through it mode. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's just what it was like on, on certain missions. You're, you're out there and it's like, okay, this sucks. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm dragging ass cause it's hot and it, and yep. it's, I'm carrying a heavy load and everything like that, but it sucks, but I'll get through it. And so I felt like, okay, this sucks in a different way. It wasn't like I was carrying a, a heavy physical load, but I was carrying a heavy emotional load. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll just suck it up. I'll deal with it and I'll get through this. And, you know, just like any other mission that I might've been on, I, I, and I just treated it that way. 
So let's switch gears for just a second. Um, and let's talk about the podcast drive on podcast. Um, what was it like starting that? Cause I know for me, it was like, great idea. Sounds fantastic. Yeah. You know, bought all the equipment. I said, let's do this. And then I just kind of sat on it. I said, ah, man, people are going to hate it. I'm going to suck, you know, right. live. People are going to hate my voice. Like I was all going through my head of all the criticisms. Like people aren't going to like it. They're going to comment and say I'm dumb and like all this stuff. Like they're, they're going to disagree with my opinions. And I was like, oh. I, I messed with my head for a long time and then yeah. put, it, put it off for, I think, oh, close to a year. And, and then I finally jumped in. But what was it like for you starting up the podcast with the specific mission and just saying, okay, I'm going to go in, especially after, you know, all this. And now you're going to jump online and talk to other people about some of the very same and similar issues. Yeah. So I sort of treated it like another mission, uh, another thing that I needed to do. Uh, I, I didn't know the first thing about podcasting. Uh, I had been a guest on other podcasts, so I had... Uh, spoken on a podcast before, but really it's really was no different than like a zoom call. You know, we, I, on the technology side, I didn't really need to do anything special. I just need to show up and talk. Right. So like that wasn't really any experience to how podcasts work and how, how do you get the podcast from the conversation that you and I are having now to publishing it on Apple podcasts or Spotify or YouTube or anywhere else that you might uh, distribute your podcast. How do you do all of that stuff? Right. Um, how do you uh, make it clean and polished? How do you make the, the audio sound good? How do you, uh, uh, what do you do with the audio files, uh, you know, recording a, an intro and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, none, I, I had never done any of that kind of stuff yeah. before. And so I was jumping into this, like just jumping into the deep end without having swimming lessons. And it was like, I, I felt like I was barely treading water at first. Um, but I reached out to a couple of friends who had podcasts and I asked them, okay, what do I do? How, how do I do this? What do you guys do? Um, and, and they talked to me about it and they told me, uh, you know, where they host their, their podcast and, uh, what kind of equipment I needed. And, um, you know, they, they just said, you know, start off with basic equipment. You don't have to go in and buy the expensive Gucci stuff because it, let's say you, you do it and you, you only do 10 episodes or so and you decide this isn't for you. Uh, you don't want to blow all that money on on something that you're not going to end up using long term. Right. Um, turns out I'm still using the, the same mic that I nice. in in the beginning. So, uh, you know, it, it still works. It's still functional. It still does the job. It sounds fine. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm sure there's better mics out there, but, uh, for what I'm doing, I don't really care. Like the, this is, it sounds good, it's good to me, man. What it is. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, I, I kind of just jumped into it. Um, at first, I, I think the first maybe half dozen or so episodes, uh, I didn't really tell anyone about the podcast. I, I, it was just my wife and I who knew about it. Um, and, Come to find out that's not the best way to launch a podcast. <laughs> you definitely <laughs> want to be telling people about it. Um, so the first, listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The first few episodes were uh, very low on the listenership. But uh, once I started getting more comfortable with the process, um, the first few episodes were just me talking about whatever I had on the top of my mind. Um, once I got more com comfortable with doing that, I started telling people about it. And it got a great reception. And it, at first it was just family and friends and that, that kind of thing. But uh, I think that's the way most podcasts start off is, is like that unless you have a built-in audience already, right. uh, which I didn't. Um, 
but then I started uh, reaching out to some of my friends, people that I served with or other veterans that I knew uh, that I, I knew throughout my life. And uh, I asked them to join me on the podcast. And at first I was like really timid about asking them because I was like, who's going to want to be on this podcast? And like, what is this podcast even like? It doesn't hardly have anyone listening to it at this point. Uh, who would actually want to do that? But it turns out every single person that I reached out to was like, yes, not, yeah. not just yes, but like, hell yeah, oh, yeah. I will definitely do this. Um, and, and they were like honored to do it. And I was like, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm onto something here. And yeah. so, you know, over time I, it's, it's evolved, you know, it, my, my process has changed a little bit. Um, I, I streamline a whole lot of things. I don't know if you want to get into the, the, nitty gritty details of all this stuff, but, um, I've made, I've made things so much more efficient on my end. So that way I'm able to crank out more episodes without putting in all this extra work. So, um, you know, it, it just, so makes what's maybe so much easier. What's, what's maybe for the sake of time, what's maybe the most efficient thing that you changed or inefficient thing that you changed to make yourself yeah. more efficient. So if anybody's listening, they're thinking about, Oh, why should I do a podcast? You know, what do Jeff and Scott think they're, who do they think they are? Joe Rogan or something like, right. no, of course not. But you know, there are things to do. Like I've learned a lot too about yeah. when to schedule time, when to automate certain things, um, when to sit down and dedicate time to editing and all that. Yeah. Um, what's been the biggest thing that you did that really just changed the game? Yeah, for me, it was automation of certain things. So I use a service called Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. And it allows me to link up my scheduling calendar to a bunch of different stuff. So as soon as someone schedules a time with me on, on my podcast uh, to, to do an interview, it sends them an email right away with the link where we're, we're going to do the meeting, uh, information with you know what what they can expect stuff that i need from them like a, a photo or whatever that that I, I can use to promote the episode it sends them all that stuff so i don't have to send you know even though i've done over 200 episodes i don't i haven't sent out 200 some odd emails because i did it once and it just automatically sends that stuff out uh it also creates a note in evernote which uh is where i i kind of just jot down my questions and, and stuff like that but it has all the guest information and all that stuff so Again, I don't have to create notes manually. It just automatically populates it with the stuff that I'm going to need to to have in there. Um, and then, um, then once when I'm uh, done editing the episode, I schedule it out for whenever it's going to be released. And then I also use Zapier to uh, automatically uh, post my my social media post uh, afterwards as well. So uh, so I don't have to do any of that stuff. All I'm doing really is is scheduling the episode and it automatically will take it and, and post everything to all of my different social accounts. So it, it makes life so much easier for me just, just to mm. automate all of that stuff. Right. So, okay. Yeah. I'll have to check out Zapier. I use Calendly to schedule it yep. and to get that first email out there and ask some questions. Um, Cause I found that, and I actually started doing that more after I got your invitation to come on to drive on. Cause I was like, Oh man, that is slick. And he's asking, yeah. he's asking for so much stuff. I'm like scrolling down going, geez, what is this? And then I was like, well, when I thought about it, I was like, this is actually really smart. <laughs> this guy's obviously smarter than I am. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm begging people for information. Like, Hey, send me a headshot. I'm stealing their stuff off of social media to try to figure it out. I was like, right. ah, 
So that's what I had a Calendly account already. And then I just yeah. switched the name and started using it for that. And yeah. um, so thank you for the inspiration. But um, yeah, absolutely. It was, it's just a better way of doing it. But mine doesn't do the social media. It links up my calendar, it schedules, it keeps my notes, um, yeah, so questions I, and all that. But it doesn't do social media. Yeah, I, I use Calendly too, but Calendly links uh, can link into Zapier. And then that's, that's how that, that email got sent out. So as soon as you scheduled with me, it auto- automatically, uh, created a, a room in Zoom, so it had a oh. unique link for our meeting, and then it popped that into the email and sent you the email pretty much okay. instantaneously. So it all happened like sold in a matter of seconds. So um, I'm going to check it out. I'm sold yeah. because you know I do a little bit of that stuff myself, and of course graphics and things like that. And you know you still got to kind of do a little bit of that. I have templates now where I can kind of just pop a picture in there and then redo the name. Um, yep. I took off some of the other details that way I don't have to. You know, if somebody reschedules on me, I don't have to shift episodes around and then make changes at all the social media. It's it's almost kind of generic just right to keep it simple, you know. Um so uh let's let's talk about the audiobook. Cause you just sure. released the audiobook um you know recently. And not only is the book already a very powerful and very emotional and very personal book, you did an audiobook. And you read it yourself, didn't you? I did. Yes. Yeah. What was for what first? What was the inspiration to do an audiobook? Yeah. So after releasing the paperback version, and then uh, the paperback and and uh, Kindle like ebook version came out at about the same time, and I think about a month later, the hard copy or uh, the hardcover uh, came out as well. So all within the same time period, um, I was telling everybody I knew about the book. And there are some people who are like, I'd love to, to read your story or, or, you know, get to know your story, but uh, I, I just, I don't have time to read. I, I, I like to listen to audiobooks. Do you have an audiobook? And, you know, after the first person said, it, I was like, okay, well, you know, whatever, that's not, not that big a deal. It's just, you know, the one person, but um, more and more people were saying that they preferred audiobooks over, uh, over the traditional, like, physical book or even an ebook that they would have to sit down and, and read. Mm-hmm. Um, that way they can listen to it in the car. They can listen to it while they're exercising, whatever they, that's just how they consume the book. And so I, I said, okay, well, if that's what people are looking for, I, I might as well put it out there. It's not going to hurt anything to, to put it out there. So, um, I decided, uh, I, I'm just going to open up my, uh, recording software that I have on my, my computer and, uh, just start, reading the book and I already have the, the microphone set up and, and everything. I'm, I'm good to go there. Um, and what I found is that I suck at reading. (laughs) 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 So I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading the book and uh, I'm, I'm just sort of making assumptions about what the next words are going to be like on the next line. Like as I'm getting towards the end of one line, I'm I'm making an assumption of what the next word is going to be. And my gosh, if I didn't, do a good job editing. There would be so many uh, curses in there. Like, oh, I, I'm such an idiot. Like, I can't believe <laughs> I, I'm screwing this this whole thing up. So, um, so yeah, I, I went through. I, I did the uh, did the whole reading of the book, and um, so I, it uh, Audible is the the platform that I, I released it on, it, and it also distributes it out to iTunes and some other platform. I forget the other one now, but um, so it's uh, available on. Uh, audible through Amazon and everything like that too. Um, but they're really, really picky about 
uh, the sound quality that you have. They don't like to have real high uh, uh, fluctuations in the sound levels where, mm. where it's like real high volume and then real low, real soft, because from the listener's experience, they're going to have to constantly be adjusting their volume. Uh, and, and that's not a great experience. So, yeah. um, so I found in, uh, I use a program called audacity to record it. Uh, they have some add-on tools that you can use to help, uh, kind of fix the levels of the volume and normalize everything and, and make it sound, uh, nice and consistent throughout. And they even have a, a thing that will do a check to make sure that it'll pass all of their their checks as well. Oh, really? Uh, when when you submit it, yeah. So it, it really uh, was was pretty slick there to to be able to um, record it all, make sure that it sounded right, and then uh, then submit it. So that way, I didn't have to go back and do it twenty seven more times, just you know, trial by error or right. whatever. So um, and without the, that tool, I never would have gotten this book released, the audio version, uh, because it, it was just such a valuable. Uh, check and it did so much of the, the heavy lifting for me that I, I didn't have to uh, learn how to do all of that stuff myself. So, so this tool was really, really efficient and made made by super simple uh, to to get this book released. How long did it uh, did it take you to just record? Uh, so the the audio book itself came out to be a, a just a little over five hours. So of recording time. Uh, that actually made it into things <laughs> into the book. It was about five hours, but it was way more than that because there was retakes and, and things like that. Um, I started it, I believe in November of 2021. Okay. And I finished it, I think this past April, uh, wow. so a couple, couple months ago. And it wasn't like I was consistently doing it day mm-hmm. after day after day. It was, you know, I'd record, uh, a little section here, then a little section there. And, and then I pieced everything together, um, which um, was made easier actually, by the way you have to submit everything is, is by uh, uploading like one chapter at a time. So oh. I, I just kind of focused on uh, start with chapter one and, and we'll do that. And then chapter two, and, and we, I just focused on it that way. And uh, it, it made, made life a little bit easier. So I didn't have to edit one huge audio file that, that oh, contained man. the entire book. Right. So, um, so, so that was, that was pretty good. And, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it took a long time. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know how many hours I put into recording, uh, in total, but yeah, the, the book itself came out to be about five hours. Can you believe there's actually people out there who do voiceover and read audiobooks for a living? You know, when I first, I mean, when I first started doing it, I was like, well, you know, this, this could be something I could do. But then when I realized how crappy I was at reading my own book. I was like, there's no way I'm doing this. I can't even read my own else. book, let alone someone yeah. else. <laughs> yeah. So um, there was ever a point in time where you're reading this over, trying to record it and going, God, I wish this chapter was shorter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There was <laughs> definitely those times. And I was like, my gosh, I, I dragged a little bit on here. Um, but, but then I was, I was also fortunate. It's not an incredibly long book. Uh, you know, the, the whole, the whole book, I think, uh, it's, it's under 200 pages. So I, you know, it's, uh, it wasn't that difficult to get through all of it. Um, but, but really it was just me getting tired of talking. <laughs> so now that the audio book's out, what's kind of next for Scott? What's the next endeavor? Um, you know, right now I'm, I'm focusing on the podcast and trying to get that, uh, really boosted up to reach as many people as possible. Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, I'd, I'd love to at some point start making some income off of the podcast. That would be 
that would be un- incredible if I could do that. Um, but th- that's not even the, necessarily the goal. It's really just reaching as many people as possible. Right. Um, the only reason why income would be good is because it will help me reach more people. Um, all of the, the proceeds from the book so far, I've invested back into the podcast in terms of, you know, advertising and, uh, you know, I, I've upgraded some software that I use and stuff to, um, to edit the podcast and everything like that. Um, but everything has gone back into the podcast and I, I haven't taken any of the money personally, at least not yet, um, you know, from the book sales. So, um, you know, honestly, it's, it's really just focusing on the podcast and trying to help out as many people as I can. So before we go, I want to make sure you get a chance to, you know, drop your lines, drop your tagline, tell everybody where they can find more about Scott and the drive on podcast. Yeah. So the drive on podcast is available uh, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So wherever you're listening to this, you can pretty much find it. Uh, it's on YouTube, uh, all the normal podcast uh, places where, where you go, just search for drive on podcast. Um, and you can also go to driveonpodcast.com. You can listen to the episodes there or find out where to subscribe through there. There's, there's quick links that you could find there. Uh, as far as the book goes, um, the book is available on Amazon. Uh, search for Surviving Sun, uh, and you'll you'll be able to find uh, the paperback, hardcover, ebook, the Kindle, uh, and uh, the audiobook version all through Amazon. Um, if anyone, this is another thing that kind of blew me away is when I released a book, uh, people were asking for signed copies, and I was like, "Who the hell wants a signed copy from me? Like, who am I?" And uh, and but people do apparently want signed copies and they, they like that. So, um, so surviving is where you can get a signed copy of the book. Uh, I'd ha- be happy to do that for you and, and send it out to you. Um, and so, and then as far as the social media goes, again, you can find that all on driveonpodcast.com, but uh, drive on podcast on pretty much all the major social media channels uh, is where you can find me. Awesome, man. Yeah, definitely go pick up the book, Surviving Sun. Now you have the option to listen to it, to read it in all kinds of different formats. Definitely go pick it up and then tune into the Drive On podcast. There's tons of great episodes out there, including one with me. Um, but, you know, awesome having you on. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate your time. And, uh, of course, um, we'll do this again sometime. And, and I wish you the best of luck on the audiobook because I think that's really awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs>